join us on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm learning how to pray. Anybody learning how to pray? How many know that it's, it's something you learn how to do? Yes, sir. You, you just don't. Uh, I know how to watch TV more than I know how to pray. I can do that thing. Come on, say bed somebody. That's easy. I can sit down and be entertained in a heartbeat. Won't, I mean, but being just being in God's presence, being spiritual, <laughs> that's something totally different. And so I'm learning to train myself to be spiritual. That's 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock hour. Oh, it takes spiritual discipline to just sit in God's presence and to study his word and to pray. You don't need a preacher. There's no choir singing. It's just you and God and an empty building and you just crying out to God. But how many know that there is something sweet and special about just getting with God all by yourself? And so we strongly encourage you to join us during that time where prayer is being made. Would you say amen? Uh, The scripture that we looked at this past Sabbath, we felt had instruction for us, for those of us in this season. Of course, you know, we as Christians, we don't believe Jesus was born on December the 25th. We know that. Um, um, Matter of fact, we don't know when he was born. Um, Don't know. Um, we do know when he died, though. Come on. <laughs> and uh, we don't know when he's coming again either. Amen. Uh, but we celebrate his coming, too, don't we? <laughs> Amen. So uh, understand that uh, we believe as a church that since the whole world has taken the opportunity to look, look and think about Jesus, we shouldn't ignore it. This is a great time, Ellen White says, that we should talk about Jesus, that we should lift up Jesus because there are so many in the world that are open now. Tell the truth. People are open now uh, to just courtesy and kindness more than any other time. And so we, 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 t- we take it as an opportunity always for evangelism and to share the love of Jesus. Go with me back to the scripture we looked at before on this past Sabbath as we just try to uncover this some more on John chapter 1 and verses 10. What book did I say, everybody? John chapter 1 and verse 10. Put your finger in that. And uh, then we're going to jump, jump to Hebrews 10. But let's first start in John chapter 1 and uh, verses 10 through 11. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. I'm in John 7. I need to get to John 1. All right. John chapter 1 and uh, verse 10. When you found it, would you say amen? All right. The Bible says he was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Verse 11 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Uh, But the Bible says in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born, uh, the Bible says, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. By the way, you should know, and I would, I, would, I would circle that word flesh. If you're a Bible scholar, you need to know that word flesh means, and he became a fleshy tent or a fleshy tabernacle, which is to say he became the sanctuary. Coming out of this sanctuary series, Jesus became the sanctuary for us. Amen? And so the Bible says, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now go with us to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. What book did I say, everybody? Hebrews chapter 10, and we're just going to uh, draw a little insight. Which, I mean, what is the difference? What, what, what's, what, how are people ready for the second coming of Jesus? And so what I told you this past Sabbath is, why don't you study how people were ready for the first coming of Jesus? And then you will discern how to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> I think that's an easy application. Would you say amen? Truth of the matter is, most folk were not ready 
for the first coming of Jesus. And we saw that there were about five groups of people that were ready. The great majority, especially the church, they were not ready for the first coming of Jesus. I want to emphasize that again. The church was not ready for the first coming of Jesus. And I want to suggest to us, a lot of times many of us are looking for the, toward the second coming of Jesus. A lot of emphasis is on that. We understand that we, that is the most important event in earth's history. Amen? But before Jesus comes a second time, he needs to come up in your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you're having a hard time receiving him into your heart now, then it's very, it's very difficult to prepare for his physical coming. Would you say amen? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, come on now. If you, if you are not fond of him now when he shows up, it's going to be really difficult for you to be fond of him then. And I know many people will give you the impression that if you want to be ready for the coming of Jesus, know all, just know the information. That's what we have told people. No, no, just, hey, the more information you know, the more prepared you will be. There's a show on right now. I don't know if it's TLC or Nat, Nat Geo, National Geographic, but it's called Doomsdayers. You guys heard about that? And these are people, they're, they're fanatical people that basically believe that the world is going to end. They're not biblical or Christian per se, but they just believe through either nuclear warfare or some kind of apocalyptic something is going to happen. And so what they're doing is they're stocking up goods and they're researching and they're studying what the Mayans said. And, and they got stock loads of food and water to last them for years. And so brothers and sisters, I'm just telling you right now. Listen, that kind of stuff is not going to make you ready for the coming of Jesus, period. And it's not inside information that's going to make you ready either. People assume that the more Bible I know, the more ready I will be. That is not the case at all. Why am I saying that? Because the first group of people that uh, were waiting for the coming of the Messiah were people who had prophecies and had Bible that told them exactly when Jesus would come. Now, I hope y'all didn't miss that this past Sabbath. That's why I'm emphasizing again. Understand what I'm saying here. The... When Jesus came the first time, I'm trying to figure out, there's no way they should have missed his first coming because you literally have Bible verses that told them what he was going to be like, what family he was going to be a part of, what tribe and where and exactly where he would be born. Uh, take a look now. Let me just give you uh, just a few. Uh, and I could not share this as Sabbath. Here the, here's some of the explicitness of the prophecies of his life. Now, why am I sharing this? Because just because you have information does not mean that you have an advantage. Because we saw very clearly that the very people that were supposed to be aware of Christ's coming, Charmaine, the first time were not. And they had a monopoly, Craig, on all the information. They had the information. So here are a couple things that they, that they, that they had. Number one. They knew that he would be preceded by a messenger. Who was the messenger? Talk back to me. John the Baptist. They knew. How did they know this? Because Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 5 told them that the rough places would be made uh, straight, crooked places made plain, all flesh would see it together. It prophesied the coming even of John. So check this out now. They had a clue that even when John the Baptist came, that they should have been ready. I mean, that should have been a clue right there, that when John the Baptist was born, who was born six months before his cousin Jesus, hey, John the Baptist is here. He is preaching about somebody who will come, that he's not even worthy to tie his shoes. Hey, we better listen to this guy. We better be ready. They received John, but they did not receive his cousin Jesus. And so even John said, hey, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And the Bible says he came to his own, his own received them not. 
So they have that prophecy. They also have the prophecy that he will perform miracles. Keep, remember, keep your hand in, in Hebrews. Uh, they, they also have uh, prophecy that he will perform miracles in Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. This is just for your notes because I know you're taking them right now. <laughs> That's right. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. After all this research, you know, hopefully y'all study this, right? All right. They also knew that he would be like Moses. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 18, 5, 15 through 18 said that he would be a second Moses, so to speak. They also knew that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem while riding on a donkey. Zechariah 9, 9. They had that as well. They also knew that the Messiah would be rejected. Isaiah 53, 1 through 3. They had all these scriptures. Now, here, I'm going to throw it right back at you. Y'all talk back to me now. What are some prophecies that we have that point us to the second coming of Christ that we know are in the Bible. Y'all talk to me. What are some prophecies we have? Wars and rumors of wars. Now, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowledge increasing. Like technological advances. Knowledge, the Bible says in, in Daniel that knowledge would increase. These are signs. What are, what are some of the other signs? The love of many waxing cold. I'm sorry. Men will be lovers of themselves. Actually, the same passage of scripture. What else? What are some of the other signs? What are some pointers that says Jesus is about to come? Children against their parents. That's right. Disobedient, uh, uh, disobedient children. And we got disobedient parents as well. Amen. What else did it say? Earthquakes in diverse places, storms and pestilence and so forth and so on and so on. So here's the point. Uh, they had all the information. They missed it. We have all the information what is to say that we are not going to miss the coming of Jesus or not be ready, per se, for the coming of Jesus just because we have information? Understand what I'm saying here. I'm not belittling or saying at all that it's unimportant for us to know the prophecies, to know what Scripture says. The problem is, though, is if you only know the information and you, are not, and you, and you have not been changed by the God of the information, then, then in fact, you're going to get caught up. Now, can I tell you why they missed the information? I'm sure you're asking that question. How is it? That these people, especially the preachers and the priests, they had all this biblical information and insight, but they missed out on the coming. Here's the short answer. They were looking for God to do something that they wanted to do. Essentially, here's the, here's the, here's the main reason why they missed out on Jesus the first time. Because he did not fit their description of what they wanted God to be. That's the bottom line. Okay. So another way of saying that is, is they were uncomfortable with who God was. God, they, who God presented himself to be, they did not receive that. They did not receive it. Y'all know what they wanted. They wanted power and acclaim and wealth, etc. I think the same is true today. It's a little different though. But the, the coming of Jesus, can you imagine how would our lives look if we really believed that Jesus was coming at any time. Now, forget that. There are, three, there are three second coming. There are three second comings, I like to tell people. All right, y'all ready for them? The first one is you dropping dead. Yeah. <laughs> what? That's, the end. That's the end of time for you. Oh, the next thing you're going to see is the second coming. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for all the people who say, well, he ain't come yet. He ain't coming a thousand. He ain't come since when he ain't been, you know, we've been waiting a hundred years and it's true. I'm just be honest with you right now. And, and I know some of y'all gonna say, well, I can't see it. It's possible that Jesus may not come for another hundred years. It's possible. Now some of you say, oh, ain't no way it's going to happen. Sunday blue, Sunday blue law been on the books for 150 years. It's been wars and rumors of wars for thousands of years. 
It's been crazy stuff happening, but oh, it ain't happening like it's happening now, Pastor. Here's what I want you to understand. Do not get caught up in the signs. Just know that the signs are reminders that he's coming. There are some people who like to set dates. And then, oh, oh, man, I just, oh, every, there's some friends of mine. Everything that Barack Obama does or that Congress does, they start flinching and saying, oh, it's about to come. It could be any moment now. Listen, brothers and sisters, that should not be your motivation. Let me tell you what your motivation should be. You could drop dead tomorrow. Your motivation should not be living every day for the last days. Your, mo- your motivation should be, I'm going to live every day like today could be my last day. <laughs> Amen? So that's the first one. The second one is, is the grieving of the Holy Spirit. You can, tell the Spirit. you can tell the Spirit of God no so often that you get to a point where you cannot say yes. And guess what? It's over for you. Did you know it's possible to be alive and have grieved the Holy Spirit? Ask Samson. The Bible says that Samson had gotten to a point where he had disobeyed the spirit of God so much that the Bible says he got up as he had always done before and did not know that the spirit of God had left him. The Bible says it teaches us in the book of Matthew that if one grieves the Holy Spirit, it says there's every other sin can be forgiven of men. But if we were to grieve the Holy Spirit and it's just practical, y'all, God has no other. He has no there's nothing else to save you except the Holy Spirit. So if you X him out of the game, then there's nothing else in the game that's going to help you to be saved. So the first thing you have is you could die. The second thing is, is if you keep telling God, the Holy Spirit no and little stuff and big stuff and, and middle stuff in your life, you can get to a point where you grieve the Spirit. And then obviously the third last day is when Jesus pops through the clouds of glory. But guess what? The first two could come before the last one. All right? So notice now, they missed the first coming of Jesus because their hearts were not connected with God. They had information, but they did not have God. And they did not appreciate who God was trying to be in their life. They did not want this kind of God. They didn't want no baby born to no mother who didn't who wasn't married. They didn't want him coming from Nazareth and from the hood. They didn't want him getting up and not dealing with all their enemies. They didn't like stuff like turn the other cheek. You know, and everything else in Matthew uh, chapters, uh, chapters 5 and 6. They didn't want to hear any of that. They didn't like when Jesus told them, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bone. You're blind. You're broad of vipers. You serpents. You hypocrites. They didn't like that. And I'm trying to tell you right now. Here is the problem. We don't want Jesus because Jesus comes to deal with us. We love, we, love the, we love the Holy Spirit to work on other folk. But I'm telling you, when the Spirit comes in, he is coming in with laser focus to deal with the stuff in your life. And it is so easy to cover up that stuff with church and religion and all your Bible knowledge and, and who your parents are and, and what year you came into the church and who the pastor was. And, 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 and your story is so unique. Nobody else been through what you've been through. You got a corner on the market on this deliverance what you've been delivered from. Ain't nobody been delivered like you've been delivered. So we even make our testimony self-righteous. Come on, y'all. So watch what happens here. Notice what the distinguishing factor is for those who are going to be ready for Jesus the second time. Are you ready for this? It's very simple. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37. The Bible says, are you there? All right. And then I'm just going to look at just a few more of these characters and we'll close. The Bible says, for yet a little while. Read with me. He who is coming, amen, will come and will not tarry. 
All right. What does that mean? He's going to come soon. Do we know when he's coming? Do you trust that what he said is true? <laughs> yeah. Did he come? He said he was coming the first time, right? Did he come when he said he was coming the first time? It's interesting. A young, a young, one of the young people asked me after church uh, this Sabbath. They said, how do we know that Jesus is coming again? And the answer that I could give, and the answer that I could tell her is, I've said, number one, only, only way you know that is by faith. Now, if you believe the Bible, if you actually believe the Bible, the second reason why you know he's coming is because he said so. That's it. But the only way that you can believe that is if you actually believe what God has said. Truth of the matter is you can't prove to somebody that Jesus is coming again. I mean, if you've got unbelievers on your job and you're trying to con- convince them through signs and prophecies, if they don't believe in God already... If they don't trust God already, they're not going to, uh, man, you pull out your little chart and you can tell them what happened and what these political powers are doing and what the, every, every move the Pope makes. Man, the Pope, the Pope gets up and goes to the bathroom. Oh, my God. He's coming. I mean, saints, we are, we, are we crazy? Do you understand how many popes have lived and died Your focus should be on Jesus Christ and what he is doing. Some of us are so preoccupied. Pastor Coxon talked about this on Sunday morning at business meeting with conspiracies and with and what and what's going on out there that 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 we're not ready for the second of coming of Jesus because Jesus is coming, trying to come in your heart right now. How are you going to be ready for that? And you ain't ready for him trying to get in your heart now. Amen. So here it is. Look what he says. It says in verse 38, now the just. Ah, yeah. The just or the righteous, right? Those that are in relationship with God shall live by faith. Let's break that down. What did the Bible, what did the Bible just say in verse 37? Talk back to me. What did the Bible just say? In verse 37, the Bible said he's what, Doris? He's coming. What does verse 37 basically say, everybody? He's what? Okay, one more time. Verse 37 is telling us that he's what? Now, verse 38 now tells us what? Okay, now it didn't say he's coming, so live by faith. So you have to be able to break it down yourself. The Bible says he's coming, and then the next thing it says is the just shall live by. So let me ask you a question then. What is the number one thing that one needs to be prepared for the second return, first return, right now return, whatever return, any coming of Jesus, any Jesus coming 2,000 years from now, 100 years, next week, right now, in your heart, the Holy Spirit, what is the number one thing that people need to have in order to be ready for the coming of Jesus? Period. Period. Is it clear in the word? The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Now... Let's go back to these characters that we looked at just real quick, and uh, let's just talk about them, y'all. Let's just talk about them for a minute. Um, and then I want to talk about spiritual blindness, and then we'll, uh, we'll end, okay? So we said we have five individuals that were ready for the first coming of Jesus. Does anybody remember who we said they are? Yeah. T- yeah. Yeah, yes, teenage, his, his, his parents. Who, most scholars, I mean, the Bible doesn't say they were teenagers, but most scholars will agree these were young folk. Y'all know they got married like 12, 13, 14. These were young, young folk, scared young folk, all right? Who was the second group? Anybody know? The wise men, all right, or the magi. Who else? Shepherds, all right. Who else? Zechariah, uh-huh. And Simeon and Anna, that's five, all right? So we got young teenage parents, we got an old preacher and his wife, we got pagan magi from the east, and we have shepherds, 
Uh-huh. Poor shepherds who probably were illiterate, couldn't read, didn't have nothing. They lived with animals all day. Them, and then finally, Simeon and Anna, and the Bible called them, all these individuals, righteous. Now, let's just very quickly, I want to ask you a question, see if you remember what we talked about. What was it about all of these, what was the thing that all of these individuals had in common? There's one baseline thing. It's just, they were righteous, all right? Thank you. That is the correct answer. They, the Bible said about each one of them. Now, if the Bible takes the time to say that somebody is righteous, then you ought to take the time to figure out why the Bible said they were righteous. How many of you are trying to be righteous? How many of you want to be righteous? All right, it's not a trick question. How many want to be righteous? So I'm going to look at righteous people. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says, I will let my eye dwell on no evil thing. I will study the ways of the righteous. That's what the book of Psalms says. So we have to look at what righteous people were. Okay, they were righteous. Okay, now, I said something in this past Sabbath's message that I, the Lord been working on me all week long. What was the definition or the practical application of their righteousness? Why did God call them righteous? Okay, they were blameless. That's really another word for righteousness, but she remembers the text that was used. That was exactly what the Bible said. I'm sorry. They have faith. Yes, yes. Now keep coming now. Now we're getting warm. They obeyed and they went. There we go. I mean, really, and the Bible says without, I mean, faith without works is, is dead. Here's the thing. Now, now, I use the word, it starts with an R, but don't say it yet, I, to describe their faith. Now, check it out. Let me just give you an illustration. You got, yeah, that's what, exactly what it is. They had radical faith. Okay, now, how many of you still got your finger in Hebrews? Go back to Hebrews. Remember what Hebrews just said. I'm just going to, the Lord, the Lord has been showing me this thing, and uh, I'm so excited about this 365 that's coming because we said we're faith raising and not fundraising, and now I see why God gave it to us that way. Um, Hebrews 10, now I did not see this until today, but if you look at Hebrews chapter 10, and, and, we, and we just looked at verses 37 and 38, is that not right? Now, let's just review very quickly. 37 told us what? He's coming. 38 then told us what? That's right. The way that we are ready for his coming is that we should live by what? Now, notice what it said. It didn't say they have faith. It says that they live by faith, right? Now, notice the, the, the clean transition. This is why you got to study your Bible. This is the stuff that makes you shout early in the morning. This is the, Anybody shout lately by yourself? Anybody shout just off the word of God lately? You read, oh, God, Whoa, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. What a revelation. Wow. I had that, 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 watch this now. How do I get ready? I got to live by faith. And then look what the Bible does in Hebrews 11, verse 1. That's the next chapter, right? What does it say, y'all? Come on. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. The evidence of things not seen. Hey, and then, and then slide on down to verse chapter, verse number six of the same chapter in verse 11. But without it is him to please for he who comes to must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it is it is the. The book of Hebrews is setting us all up for this. The old way is out. The new way is faith. He, see, the problem I'm having with faith is I can't see it. I can't touch it. It's hard to explain. Somebody, I mean, I mean, you cannot tangibly 
I struggle with this because I'm used to having control over my life. And if we're honest, I mean, I'm not trying to take anybody's story away from you, but I, 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 this, is, I, this is judgmental, but just take my point for what I'm saying. In these United States of America, we, some of us have had to demonstrate faith, all of us. Amen. But when you consider what these six people went, five people went through. Okay, Joseph, this woman is pregnant. No, start all over. Start all over. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It didn't happen like that first. She said, <laughs> yeah, I'm pregnant. Okay? I, w- I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that conversation. I don't care how spiritual you are. Come on now. I'm pregnant. All right? And the the father was the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says very clearly, Joseph said, you know, he was a righteous man. So he said, look, this is not going to work. That's what he said. He said, we cannot be married. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll put you away quietly, you know, but even still, it's going to be a risk. And people see her with her belly full and she ain't married. Mary was going to be killed. That was the law. They would have taken her, buried her six feet in the ground, five feet, depending on her height, let her head stick out. Her arms were covered, and they would take stones and stone her head. That's what stoning was. They would, take, uh, they would take rocks and drop them on the head. That's what should have happened to our Lord's mother. That's what should have happened. But the Holy Spirit, Richard, had to come to him and say to him, No, you're going to marry her because I said so. Because I'm the daddy. Now, the Bible says that this happened to Joseph in a dream. So he had to actually believe that I didn't eat too late at night. Um, you, know, that, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? There were so many variables that could have caused him not to trust. So I want to start with him. Joseph had to, that was some radical faith. And it wasn't the believing part. See, because I, many of us, there's nobody in here who will say, I just don't believe God is able. You, you, how many of you would, you wouldn't do that. You just would, you wouldn't even look spiritual. And we all know how bad y'all want to look spiritual. Nobody in here would say, I, I don't believe that God is able. Christians don't say stupid stuff like that. But here's the thing. What made Joseph's faith so powerful is not only did he believe it, he then went and lived it. He, he, the Bible, now notice what the Bible says. The Bible, now this is crazy. I'm going to end with, this is Joseph is a newlywed. His wife is pregnant. (laughs) Y'all too spiritual for me. The boy just got married. And in those days, they they wasn't slipping and sliding and, and tasting appetizers before stuff happened. He was not, he wasn't, he, he got married. And then, notice, what you have to read it to see it. The Bible says, but Joseph would not sleep with her. (laughs) That's faith in action. (laughs) Oh, no, come on, talk to me now. It's one thing to believe God, but it's another thing to believe it and then apply what you believe in the practice of your life. He says, I can't touch her because what's in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
So understand now, he believed and then he lived. You cannot have faith if your faith does not operate itself in a life that is lived by faith. And this is the problem that I'm having in my life right now. God is forcing me to live the stuff I preach. It's easy to look at people who don't trust God on stuff that you've been trusting God on and say they don't have no faith. But I promise you, you keep living life a little bit longer and God is going to put something in your life that you can't handle either, that you have not mastered either, that you are struggling with too. Some of us give ourselves too much credit. You, What is wrong with you? You ain't lived long enough. Everybody that claims to be a Christian that's at least walking in faith in God, there will come some day in your life where God will come to you like Joseph and he will present something that sounds stupid to you, that sounds ridiculous and then you are going to have to not only believe that what he is saying comes from God because the Bible says that, we, uh, that, that faith without faith it is impossible to please God, right? And then he says, whoever comes to God must believe that he is. We do that well. Ain't nobody in here said they don't believe in God, that I don't believe he exists. The, the, the thug on the street that ain't been to church in 25 years will put a cross on. He will get up at, a, at the Grammy Awards and say, I thank God. I mean, people believe in God. But the next step is the part that trips so many of us up. The Bible says that only must we believe that he is, but that we must believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That is saying intellectually, I accept that he is God, but also practically I'm going to walk in faith and start living my life. I can't see where I'm going. I don't know what it looks like. I've got no details. I got no map. The only thing I have is what God said, and I have to literally walk this thing out. That is the trouble that we are having. Real quick, um, let me end with Anna and, and we talked about the Magi. I, I could talk about, but let's Anna, Anna and Simeon and Anna. Can we end there? These, these are some impressive folk because they're old. Respect old people. <laughs> Ooh. You better praise God if you're old. I don't know why people are so shy about telling their age and stuff. I'm not going to be that one. If I hit 80, if I hit 60, now see, nobody, one of the things I noticed is nobody minds telling folk that they are, you know, for 70 and up. Yeah. It's that, it's that, it's that 35 to, 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 you know, the 60. Fine, nobody wants to know, you know, because you're still thinking that you should be 40 and 30 and all that kind of stuff. But we don't mind telling folks, I'm 89. Still here, you know. <laughs> 97 years old. And I can walk and everything, you know. Uh, my grandfather, my great-grandfather died at 107 years old. And his wife died at, nine, at, the, at a tender young age of 99. And her sister just died a few weeks ago at 85. So it's getting lower and lower. Sounds like I might die at 70-something. <laughs> I'm concerned about that. Anyway, I don't know how I got on that. But So we got these two old saints here, man. And this is what amazes me about them, and I want to end here. I think it's in Luke chapter 2. Yeah, Luke 2. Now, here's the thing is, these are not sexy Christians. 
What I mean by sexy, you know, I mean, I'm saying sexy not in a sexual way, but just like, they're not, these are not folks that we want to, you know, that nobody notices and nobody patterns themselves after. You know, they're not the cool Christians that everyone looks up to, that got it going on, that got the, all the spiritual gifts in them, and everybody wants to have what they have and do, and they love the way they carry themselves. These are not these kinds of people. Let me show you. These are just, these are those folk that are just there. They're just there. Watch. Luke chapter 2. And verse 22, I believe, the Bible says, Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, what I told you on Sabbath is a priest was holding baby Jesus and simply just wrote his name on a scroll and passed the baby on. The priest didn't even recognize Jesus. He was holding God in his hands and didn't know it. Lord have mercy. Oh, verse, uh, the Bible says, and, and then go verse uh, 25. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord. Now watch this. It says, they that wait on the Lord, their strength is renewed. I don't know about you, but when I'm waiting, one, okay, this, one of the hardest spiritual disciplines in the world is the spiritual discipline of waiting. Amen. Now, I don't know about you. When I'm waiting, I feel like my strength is not being renewed. I feel like my strength is weakening. But can I tell you a secret? The weaker you get, the stronger God can be for you. God wants you to a place where you have no power, no energy, no strength, nobody to call on, no money in your pocket. He cannot work with people that have uh, uh, that have too much to bring to the table. When you know too much, you're, you're jacked up. You're in a place where you cannot trust the Lord. And so the Bible says that this brother, and, and notice what it says here. And uh, what verse am I in? Verse, uh, yeah, verse 26. It says, he, it says uh, verse 25 rather, waiting for the consolation of Israel. I'm impressed by him already. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Has the Lord spoken anything to anybody out here and that you just kind of put it off because you hadn't seen it happen yet? No, seriously. Let's think about this for a moment. See, some of us cannot even respond in the affirmative to what I just said because we're not even hearing from God. Now, well, let's talk about that. Sister Emmanuel, he actually heard God. Now, y'all are taking this for granted, but there are very few of us who can walk in and out of here and, and other than simple stuff like, oh, the Lord told me not to go down that street. You know, come on. Okay, all right, all right, we'll work with that. But I'm talking about real stuff. God told me to get my hips up and to go down that street and go knock on that door and speak to that person and tell them that God told me to tell you a prophetic word. God told me to tell you that you and your wife need to come back together and that whatever is going on in your home, God told me that your blessing is right around the See, We don't know how to speak those prophetic words. The Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, above all things, I, I desire that you covet the gift of prophecy. And the gift of prophecy is not only the manifestation of telling people what's going to happen before it happens. But how many have lived long enough to know that God will come and tell you stuff to say to people as a word of encouragement, as a word of edification. But because you are not connected with God enough to know that it is God speaking, you are scared to move on what God said. See, this is where I am right now, where God is speaking and I'm not listening to what he's saying because I'm scared that I might look like a fool if I do what God told me to do. And God told this man, I want you to go to the, 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 the synagogue and I want you to wait in there every day. 
and do what? And wait on the baby Jesus to show up. And I can imagine folks saying, what, what you doing here, Brother Simeon? I'm waiting on Jesus to come. <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh, man losing his mind, but it's all right. He's sincere. He, God told him. The Holy Spirit. Isn't that what this, this, we're not, this is the kind of Christianity I want to get. I want to get into that supernatural realm where I am walking literally, and God and I are talking like I'm talking to you. And God tells me to do stuff, and I am doing it. I look like a fool. I will show up, at, and the Bible says he was at church every day waiting on a baby to show up. And when the baby came, Michelle, he knew who it was. And nobody else in the building knew it was Jesus. I'm telling you, it's happening every, it happens every time we come into this sanctuary and worship. Some of y'all... The spirit of God is just, just, you know, he's speaking and moving and, and he just, and do you realize when we're, spirit of God ain't speaking to everybody. Oh, let me, let me say, the spirit of God is speaking to everybody, but everybody ain't hearing what God is saying. There's no way that can be. And we got empty seats all up in this place. It's no way. Don't sit here. Ain't no way people are, oh, everybody's just as spiritual as we're making it seem. And our lives are so as dry, as my grandfather would say, as dry as the hills of Geboa. This brother, Simeon, waited for a long time. Let me keep moving here. <laughs> I love it. The Bible says, verse 27, and he came by the spirit into the temple. And went, how did he come into the temple, y'all? That, that, come on now. Come on now. Now, we, talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. It's easy to compartmentalize him and, 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 you know, make the spirit of God that which moves you, gives you unction to serve and have gifts. But how many of us are living by the spirit where the spirit is talking to us? Go to the temple. Go here. Go there. Do this. Get up in the morning. Go this way. Go that way. Do, that, do this. Do that. Speak to this person. Do to that person. I'm going to be honest enough to admit right now that I do more disobeying to the voice of the Holy Spirit than I do listening. Now, where are all the deep spiritual folk at in here? How deep can you be now? Where are your deep folk at now? Come on, y'all. Talk to your boy in here. How many can tell the truth? As I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, man, the Spirit of God be speaking. I'm sorry. That's incorrect language, but just work with me. The Spirit of God be speaking to me all day long, and I'm not doing nothing about what he's saying. Let's end with his, with his, with his, with his worshiping friend, Anna. The Bible says in verse 36, now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years and did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day and coming in the instant in that instant she gave thanks to the lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption so 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 look at the two people here you got this old man whom the holy spirit just tells every day go here go there go to the temple and wait and wait a long time 
but he's coming. You keep waiting. And he stays faithful to what God told him. Then you have an old lady who lost her husband, means she's a widow, means that she don't got no money, she's poor, she's broke. And so most folks saying she don't got nothing else to do but just go to church and wait on God. But see, all those folk missed out on the coming of Jesus. She waited, and the Bible says she served. (laughs) She fasted. She prayed so that when God showed up, she was able to recognize him. I think it's clear as we get ready to pray. We all believe in God. Right? Come on. We believe. How many know God is real? How many can say that? You know he's real. I need help tonight. Going from belief action. Now, understand what the pastor is saying tonight. Notice that all these people, it was not an issue of doctrine. It was an issue of simply obeying the things God told them to do in small areas of their lives. You pregnant? I got you. You see that star? Follow it. Angels come down in the sky and they're singing, glory to God in the highest. Go, go where they tell you to go. You know what I'm saying? Just God speaking and then you, hey, y'all wait in the temple. You just keep showing up. And I'm saying maybe after 50 years, she said, I'm tired. 50. She waited for 84 years for Jesus to come. Some of us can't be patient for, for, for two weeks or for five minutes. I need that kind of faith tonight. I don't know about you. what we need tonight. Amen? That's what we need. You know, when you study the life of Christ, one of the things you'll discover is every person that got healed, the Bible says it was because of their faith. It's everything. It's it's everything. It's, It's everything. Not, don't get it twisted. We're not just talking about believing in stuff. We're talking about doing what he said and then trusting him that he's going to take care of what he said. I probably wouldn't have got out and walked on water with Peter. I wouldn't have done that. I got to see some stuff. Maybe I would have got out there after I saw him do it. But don't you want to get to that kind of adventurous walk with God where... You're just living by faith and you're just trusting him and just depending. You're just seeing his hand and and you know sometimes you got to wait on him and sometimes you got to fast and pray and sometimes you have to suffer. But I found that it's just better living by faith. Just better. It's it's fun. (laughs) It's just seeing the hand of God move. There's no fun in controlling your life. It's boring. I mean, ooh. How many want that? Just, just stand right where you are.
Can we pray about it tonight? Rid of the living God for a fresh Let's sing that one more time. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Come on, Saint Spirit. tonight we ain't gonna pray a long prayer because we have a simple request 